Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. Today I've got with me Gavin Williams. Hello, Gavin. Hello, Stuart. Um, what film have we uh, have we initiated this podcast to talk about? So we're mainly going to be talking about um, my first feature as a writer, which is called Await Further Instructions. Okay. Do you want to give us a brief synopsis about that one? Yeah, so it's um, our protagonist is uh, a guy in his early 20s called Nick, uh, played by uh, Sam Gittins, who's a, a, a sort of up-and-coming British actor. He was in uh, Paul Hyatt's um, Howl, uh, actually. Um, and our protagonist, Nick, Nick Milgram, he's kind of like the black sheep of his family. He's the sort of the one that went to university, the one that kind of went off travelling around the world. He doesn't really get on with the rest of his family. He's particularly um, kind of sort of uh, in, in kind of um, conflict with his rules-obsessed, rather domineering kind of uh, father, uh, Tony, uh, played by Grand Masters. Um, but um, he's not been home for a few years, uh, but his new girlfriend, Angie, persuades him, says, well, this is weird, I've never met your family, you've met mine, let's go meet them. So they decide to go uh, and see Nick's family for Christmas. Um, but it's a huge disaster. They get there, they row with everybody. Um, uh, kind of sort of his granddad, played by uh, uh, David Bradley from Game of Thrones and Broadchurch, and, and Harry Potter is in the corner being kind of so growly and racist, and, and Nick kind of rows with his dad. It's a disaster. So actually, Nick and Angie decide that what they're going to do is they're actually going to get up on Christmas Day while everyone's still asleep and go back home. However, when they get up, they try to open the door, the door's locked, the windows are locked, the whole house has been sealed by these metal plates. Um, they can't get out at all, and they hear screaming, which gets cut off. Um, the rest of the family get, all, get up, everybody else is really kind of sort of running around, what's going on, they're kind of confused, they think, you know, is it sort of some terrorist attack, is it some sort of uh, industrial accident? Um, they turn on the TV, uh, and there's no programs. There's no internet. There's nothing else. There's just this one text message, uh, and it says on the TV, stay indoors and await further instructions. Yeah. And what happens is during the rest of the film, uh, these instructions are updated, and they start kind of like sort of uh, sane municipal disaster type uh, uh, pronouncements. So uh, all your food's been uh, infected. Don't eat anything. Um, mm. But slowly they become more bizarre, more strange. So then one is uh, one of your party has been infected. 
isolate them. It doesn't say who, it just allows uh, them to sort of pick, you know, pick somebody to, to, to sort of isolate. Um, and it's basically sort of almost like a sort of Lord of the Flies, this family trapped in this house, kind of ripping each other apart, a mm. dysfunctional situation. They descend into arguments and paranoia and eventually violence. Okay, okay. So this is, and this has been directed by Johnny Kevorkian, yeah? Indeed, yes. Johnny Kevorkian, whose uh, first film that disappeared is sort of an urban ghost story, uh, and ours is quite different. Ours is sort of a, uh, like a sort of dark science fiction thriller uh, with, you know, sort of uh, horrific overtones. Um, yeah. Um, so, when, so when did so, you, when did you, fin- when did you finish shooting the film? So we finished shooting, uh, so it was early November 2015. Uh, we shot for five weeks in, in North Yorkshire at a studio called GSP uh, Studios, GSP Productions. Okay. And, where, and whereabouts are you now in the process of making the film? Well, we are, uh, I have heard actually yesterday that we're just sort of uh, coming up to getting picture locked. Um, the film has quite a lot of sort of digital effects and practical effects and things that need to be sorted out in the back end. So right. we're almost picture locked now. And then we've got all, all sort of all of the other kind of, sort of bits and bobs of post-production. So sort of score and grading and all of those things, particularly for us, uh, this quite sort of lengthy kind of, sort of digital effects uh, fandango at the end. Uh, but we're getting close. I'm getting to get, get to see it all assembled for the first time next weekend, so I'm kind of excited. That is very exciting. So, so with that in mind, then, is is are you working towards a, 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 a sort of pencilled-in release date? Are you working towards festival screenings, or what, what, what's what's the process where you're at the moment with the film? Well, well, our strategy really is is to. Um, well, I mean, essentially, see what we've got. I mean, we're, you know, we're very pleased with what we have. It, it, it's coming very strong, which is which is great. That the mm. cast, in particular, are, are excellent, and uh, it's a wonderful sort of studio space. We were able to take over this old studio, build sets to create this sort of house, and really kind of control the set design and the art of it. Um, but the plan is to try and uh, get us into some uh, festivals, maybe in the autumn and early 2017, some of the larger festivals. See if we can get out there, create a buzz, hopefully, uh, and then kind of work towards. Um, Making some deals off the back of that, when they're looking to something like a, you know, something like a 2017 release. Okay, okay. So let's let's hold on to that thought. So a 2017 release, and let's let's and and you as the writer, obviously, this is your this, this starts off as your creation. So yeah. when going right the way back to the beginning, then when did the process? When did you start await further instructions? How did that? How did that begin for you? Yeah, it's a weird one, because I think kind of when writers are asked that, you know, where did a project come from, you can sort of look blankly and stare at distance and think, well, it, you know, there's a bit of this and a bit of that, and it kind of came together in all sorts of ways, you can't quite, you know, sort of identify a date. However, for this project, I almost did exactly to the, to the minute where it kind of uh, <laughs> happened. Uh, I was coming home from um, a New Year's Eve party, uh, 2007 and 2008. I was driving home with my, my then partner, and I bought her for Christmas um, an album by the American indie band uh, The National uh, and there's a track on that on their album second, second or third album called Boxers and the track is called um, Apartment Story uh, and there was a lyric which says um, we'll stay indoors until somebody finds us do whatever the TV tells us and that kind of just sort of on the stone the first time hearing it kind of went, went down in my mind like a little depth charge and sort of blew up and I thought oh, that's interesting mm. and I think as, as, as bright as you know yourself there's this sort of sense in which you're always sort of looking for potential ideas little kind of stuff kernels of ideas that you can sort of pull out and, and, and spread into a story into a narrative mm. um, and also if you're trying to build um, a, a, a kind of stuff a, a 
a feature career. You're looking at ideas that can be made manageably. You're looking at things that could be sort of done on a micro budget or a uh, or, or a kind of, sort of low budget, or certainly kind of later on in your career at the start. I think you kind of you jump into the world and go, right, I'm going to write blockbusters, and the, the, the helicopter explodes, and you know, and, and, and all those sort of uh, big ideas. But as you can move on, you think. <laughs> how we're actually going to, you know, get these things off the ground. Uh, and this idea, the notion of people being, you know, trapped somewhere, sealed in somewhere, and then getting these orders, getting these instructions. Mm. Um, and, and at the same time, and also because it was, I was going home on, on, you know, essentially New Year's Eve, the notion of the holidays uh, and, you know, being trapped with your family at Christmas uh, was also kind of in the air, and I thought, well, that's an interesting, you know, an extra you know, edge to that, extra kind of framing to it. And at the time, this was when, you know, the, 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 the crash was just happening. So on the TV, there were all these sort of, you know, runs of the banks and these huge queues uh, of people trying to get their money out. Hmm. Um, and what, what was interesting about that to me was just this notion of, of sort of um, – how, the, how much the media sort of controls and infects our lives, this sort of feedback loop between, you know, you heard the media or the banks are going down and everyone runs and tries to get their money out, and the notion of, of authority and, and being told something. Um, uh, and just this, this idea of the world is so complex now, it's actually difficult to, to, to have answers to these sort of uh, questions. You know, you get someone who comes on, you know, two, two kind of experts. One says, oh, well, mobile phones give you brain cancer. The other one says, no, they don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. You know. I don't know. You know who's right. They're both experts. They probably both got white coats at home. So you know, mm. this, in in this kind of era, you know, knowing what to do when people in authority tell you this or that um, uh, seemed like a really kind of, sort of chewy like a basic uh, a theme uh, and initially because I thought well, it's, maybe it's a horror film uh, I had this notion no, it's got to be teenagers because horror film but I, that was just for a hot minute then I thought well actually no if it's about authority it needs to be about a family it needs to be about those sort of levels of, uh, uh, of kind of a dysfunctional um, uh, sort of setup between a father and a, and a son and his sister and granddad and all these sort of layers and, uh, and kind of mum trying to intervene. And that kind of really brought it to life about, you know, if the TV gives you orders, you know, do you follow it to, 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 to you know, to sort of survive the disaster or do you go, well, is this really true? Is this actually, uh, you know, leading us in the right direction? And that was the heart of it. It seemed quite dramatic as a basic premise. So, so you as a writer then, and, 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 I, and I think it's, 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 really, it's really interesting to, to sort of hear the idea of, a sort of lyric, and then that seizing on a lyric and explaining yeah. that into an idea. So, so you, 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 you as a writer, then when you sit down to your desk or walk walk across the moors or whatever you do, where wh what are you doing then to to make this into an idea that will that will become a screenplay? I suppose. How do what's what's your do you, do you have a process that you that you sort of adhere to that you've developed? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm actually quite... It's interesting, because I wouldn't sort of... I've got quite a lot of novelist friends, and I get into arguments with them. I've got sort of novelist friends who will just have a basic premise and then just start. They won't kind of have any plan, any kind of sort of, uh, <coughs> you know, kind of routine. And that's very alien to me, coming from a sort of screenplay background. Yeah. And I'm quite process-driven in, in structure. However, at the start, when you've just got the idea, I mean, I'm a great believer in just sort of wandering around, and, and when you've got that one idea in your head, other you get 
I get bits of scenes, bits of kind of characters, perhaps. Uh, and it's a very kind of, sort of the white heat of uh, of kind of, sort of uh, inspiration. Um, like I, I, don't, I mean, I, I can drive, but I haven't got a car, so I tend to kind of walk around, you know, take public transport, and just sort of daydream, to be honest, and uh, and kind of wandering around brings these sort of um, <coughs> little ideas, and little ideas become connections. I mean, my, my philosophy about about writing, and it, and it seems to sort of bear out in most of the writers I know and have met, mm. is that writers are people who are good at um, seeing connections, that little kind of spark across the uh, across the across the membranes that creates another idea. So yeah. seeing weird connections and putting them together, and so that's the initial process. And that I think is almost like um, like kicking the tires on the idea because mm. I'm someone that gets quite a lot of ideas like that. But but you know you walk it around, you think, oh, is, is this really something that, that that kind of sort of has legs? You know, is it deeply dramatic? Are there are there characters implicit? I think a lot. Some writers start with um, characters first and then build a scenario around them. But but often for me, there's a scenario, but the types of characters are implicit. As I said before, it, um, you know, I thought maybe it's teenage, but actually, it makes more sense if it's a family. Um, so you've got a dad as the authority figure and, and his father is there as well uh, and then it's the son and, and you start to think, oh well if, that, if that's the setup, who are these people, what are their lives? Um, so I, as I say I kind of, and then I've got lots of bits of things and that's sort of very kind of, sort of kitchen sinky and the bits of ideas and images and maybe you'll get a kind of, sort of um, a set piece scene <clears throat> and at that point I get a bit more structured so I'll tend to um, I'll have that one sentence in, the he- in my head uh, and then I'll kind of sort of uh, work it up into half a page or a page uh, and then play with those sort of um, set pieces and ideas. And at that point, once I've got enough stuff, I, I use um, index cards. So I'll take okay. a whole stack. Yeah, I'll take a whole stack of sort of blank cards um, and, I'll, and I'll put just on each card the simplest step of an idea. So, you know, um, Nick and, uh, and Tony uh, have an argument and then kind of, Write all those out. Have a have a wall. It's actually the back of uh, the door of, of my kind of ensuite bathroom, and I will put all these things up <clears throat> using blue tack, uh, and then stand back and look at it. Um, and I think that the thing about kind of long form uh, uh, kind of writing uh, for screen, particularly, is it's difficult sometimes to to hold it all in your mind. You know, to st- <laughs> it, it becomes yeah. almost kind of this. It's like you're kind of wrestling, you know, fifteen octopi, and you're trying to kind of get it all together. It just seems too big to to, to deal with. However. I found um, for myself, if I can stand back and see the whole film, I've got it on these cards, I can almost hold it in my mind's eye so I mm. can sort of, it doesn't seem so scary. Um, and so then I can stand back and you go, oh, well, maybe that would be better there. And you move cards about and you're not committed to anything. And I found that a very, you know, a very kind of sort of <coughs> malleable uh, and kind of sort of powerful way of starting to structure. Uh, and off the back of that, I'll write quite a long document, which is sort of like a step out, a step outline, but of every step almost without the dialogue mm. um, and then when I come to write the script I'll be constantly updating that and going back to it so it, do, it oh, is do you really so, so you, you, you you develop a step outline and then as the script evolves either to or from the outline you then alter the outline accordingly yeah, I think so. It's interesting because when when I write the, the outline I write after the cards is pretty detailed mm. uh, but it, it's sort of detailed in my head. I think, oh, well, I've, I've, that's it now. I've done the film. I've done the hard work. I'm, <laughs> I'm fine. I'm flying. Let's not worry about it. Um, I've just got a pencil in the dialogue. That'll be easy. Uh, but then you get to it, you go, uh, 
I've written Tony and Nick have an argument. What, what is it actually? You know, what's the shape of the scene? How does it play out? What are the surprises? Um, so I find that I have to kind of sort of go back, you know, almost go back into these things and sort of pull them apart and go, well, actually, how does that particular scene work? And because screenwriting is, is, is such, sort of a, such a heavy and kind of... Um, there's almost like a sort of a music to it, a shape to it, is that you can you can feel when you're watching a scene, the movie that's really working, how it builds, how it has its own kind of beginning, middle and end structure, and you're on the edge of your seat, and you have to do that for every step. Mm. So if your if your outline is is actually um, a bit is a bit baggy, you've not done that detail. You find that you've for me at least, I go back and I kind of sort of tinker a bit and go, oh well. And also because you're thinking about it all the time, I'm still sort of wondering about in my daydreams. And the clouds, you find other things, which I think is is good. And, and actually, that goes back to my discussions with my novelist friends, my discussions, arguments, rounds sometimes, um, and their their kind of approach to just sort of starting the novel and then kind of seeing where it goes is that oh well, you can be surprised. And they say, well, your approach is is too dogmatic, it's too schematic. Um, but actually, <clears throat> when I'm at, when I'm writing the script itself, um, there is that um, space to change things, to change your mind to get to find little surprises um but it, it, it's a, it's it sounds very intensive now i'm describing it but in a way it, when you're actually doing it, it's quite organic and i've done i've written quite a lot of um you know full length pieces now so i know i know my process but you know you always learn things you know you see you see talks you hear you hear podcasts you, you watch films and you go oh well that's something i didn't know before i'll fold that into the into the writing later on well, I think, I mean, I remember listening to um, an American screenwriter called Bill Martell, or William Martell, uh, does, does scripts, um, what's it called? Oh, script Secrets, um, from, the blog, from the blog Sex on a Submarine. Um, and he, he, he did this lovely thing where he said the big difference between a screenplay and real life is that a screenplay has to make sense. Um, yeah. And with that in mind, thinking about your, your kind of debates with your novelist friends, is that... A screenplay can also, can, cannot just disappear into somebody's mind, which a novel at any one time can go into internal dialogue, internal monologues, yeah. which obviously in film you can't see. So, <clears throat> and that yeah, might absolutely, and that yeah. might help you work out some some thoughts in a novel, and it might end up being brilliant content for a novel, but it'd be useless for a screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and, and I think, and, and, and that kind of brings up all sorts of interesting issues because, um, you know, as you say, novels are very interior. You can't do that with, on the screen. You have to find ways of, sort of basically cracking people's skulls and, and, and splurging it on the screen. Uh, and I think often, sort of, when writers start, uh, and I know I was like this, what you want to do is think, oh well, screenwriting is dialogue, so everyone's talking, blah 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 blah. <laughs> and it's all very, very on the nose, and there's, you know, you see they talk about kind of stuff. You know, Lots of white on the page and lots of black on the page. Uh, and, you know, my, my wall to wall black with people sort of just banging on and on and on. Um, but as you kind of, you know, you get, you get used to form, you, you, you watch films, you kind of sort of think more deeply about this. It's finding kind of those visual moments. It's a visual medium. You know, what do we see? How, you know, you know, is it, is it a painting? Is it a, a, a glance between two characters? Is it, you know, an amazing piece of kind of sort of thematic imagery? Uh, and that, and that's where the hard stuff is. I mean, you you know, it's just like rocket science. If it was easy, anybody could do it. Indeed, indeed. Now, now obviously, you, get, you gave us some clues before about what you were describing, about, say, making that decision to about what kind of screenplays you're going to write. And yeah. at, the, at the big extreme, you said, you know, 
let's all write blockbusters and then you can kind of realise that certainly if you're a UK-based screenwriter, the idea of going out on a limb and writing the big explosive blockbusters means that you've got half an eye on somebody cherry-picking you and taking you to Hollywood because £50 million yeah. movies don't, <laughs> don't get made here, let alone £100 million, £200 million ones. Um, so, so your idea is, is, is a very contained one. Yeah. Now, with that in mind, that, that presents its own challenges as well as you know, every other challenge that comes with trying to put together a kind of 90 120-page script together. Um, so, was you was you always would, would, given where the genesis of the idea came from? Was you always conscious of trying to keep largely a single location? I mean, is it? I'm not sure that's the question. Really, is it all in the one location? Is there any of any of the action taking place outside of the house? Well, it, it's interesting. At the moment, um, very little is outside. Uh, Nick and his girlfriend Angie arrive at the start, and then you know other characters. Nick's Nick's uh, uh, sister, played by Holly West, and, and her kind of partner turn mm. up, and she's pregnant, and and, and that happens outside. Mm. Uh, and they meet um, Angie, and there's a bit of a kind of back and forth. But most of it is you know when they're trapped inside. But what is interesting is when I had the first idea and I wrote the initial treatment, I'd showed it to my agent uh, at that point before I was even working um, <clears throat> with the producer Jack Tarling, who's the other uh, kind of sort of long-term uh, part of the team. Um, and actually, they did get outside the house, and there was all sorts of elements that, that kind of haven't uh, survived into this, uh, you know, eventual draft. There was sort of zombie figures in in, in kind of stuff, but you know, suits that we weren't quite sure whether they were alive or dead in kind of isolation suits, as if there was, you know, uh, 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 it was definitely a disaster, and all these decisions had been made. And at the end, you know, kind of uh, people escaped from the house, and it, it, it opened it out. Um, but I think, kind of, quite, again, quite quickly, you realise well, the power is. Is, is, is it is it all being in one location? In it being this pressure cooker where you you can't escape, you're just stuck. Uh, and um, there's a there's a thing that's sort of a, a good philosophy, which um, uh, again is sort of uh, in a way script writing 101 is is sort of take your limitations and, uh, and use them creatively. So if you're in one location, what does that um, a- allow you? You know, if, if you're, you haven't got more than, you know, sort of one house to deal with, how can you use that to make the film more interesting, more kind of tense? And, and it is that thing of, you know, um, it, it's, a, it's a family trapped and, it, and it's like being trapped in a family at Christmas, but to the thousandth degree um, and relationships break down and, and, and sort of allegiances swap and change um, uh, uh, and things just build and build and build. Um, so you're taking those limitations and, and you're turning them into the idea itself. You're kind of sort of, you know, finding a sort of alchemy so that um, uh, the thing that you say, oh, well, it's you're just a bunch of people trapped becomes, oh, my God, it's all these people trapped. What's mm. going to happen? Um, uh, I think... I mean, uh, it, but I think there's also this thing about, um, you know, as we progress in our, our writing careers, particularly for, for, for film uh, and TV to a lesser extent, you kind of sort of learn the things that are, are difficult to render on screen, like in sort of, you know, in, in, in interior um, kind of thought processes, but also what's going to be expensive, what's going to be a challenge. I mean, when I, when I kind of first wrote this script, I thought, oh, well, you know, it's a family, have them all together. Um, uh, and that's great. You have to have enough people to, 
just to make those relationships really sing and for everyone to be at each other's throats. Uh, but when Johnny came in, one of the things he said was one of the challenges of this film is is if you've got all these characters, everybody in a room, how do you shoot that? You've got it's, it seems like quite simple, but how do you kind of sort out sight lines? How do you kind of work out actually how to shoot uh, in a single location? How can you make a single location interesting? And these are sort of challenges that maybe as a writer, um, you know, you might not consider, but when you get a bit more experience of production uh, and of your, your kind of work happily being made, um, you start to think in those ways, uh, uh, which I think is, uh, again, part of the sort of uh, uh, the journey we go on as, uh, as sort of uh, practitioners, as you start with, with uh, you know, writing your helicopter films and everything exploding, uh, and then even when you get to a single house, you've still got all these challenges that you've got to uh, deal with on the, on the creative side, on the writing side, before you even get to set. I'm, inter- I'm interested just in terms of just the, the, the development of the idea because you because you threw in there like a load of sort of other ideas that have that sort of existed in in historical drafts and yeah. and I think it's good for sort of people listening to understand that that in a way there there isn't like you know it's kind of counterintuitive to think that writing those versions gets you to the version that you made because I think you know outside of the creative world when we're writing stuff there's a sense that everything's got to be right when we've committed to page. Whereas, whereas I think there's, with, certainly with a screenplay, I, don't know, I can't speak for novels as I've not done one, but I feel that with a screenplay, there, there's a bit like, in some ways, like painting, you know, you, you can try something and see if it works. If it doesn't work, you just get, you take it out, don't you? And, and Yeah, definitely. And I think actually what's, what's good and something which is um, um, a really useful sort of tip uh, and quite freeing for, for kind of beginning and emerging writers, yeah. uh, particularly with screen work, is that uh, the cliche is, well, first draft's a shit. Everything you do, the first draft is just to get it out on the page. Because um, I meet a lot of writers who say, oh, I'm a writer, and you say, well, what have you written? Well, I've started this, and I've started that, but I need a new laptop. And you say, well, you're not really a writer unless you finish things. But... <laughs> The thing about the thing about writing is you write and you finish, um, uh, and that's difficult for everybody. I and mean, I'm terrible when I'm not my deadline. Is that you just stick around and you you know you kind of sort of uh, fiddle around with things and, and don't get stuff done. But the value of writing a first draft is is getting something down and and, and um, you know once you've kind of stuck <coughs> the the end on your on your document, that's a gr- that's a great feeling. You sort of you feel you've kind of conquered the mountain. Mm. Um, and even if you have to go back and rewrite every single damn word, no one can take away the fact that you you've you've created something whole. You've created this 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 kind of huge thing. Um, and, and as I said, it is quite freeing to go. Okay, I'm writing this thing. I don't quite know if this scene is working or if the overall uh, shape of it is is going to play, but. I know that I'm going to come back and rewrite that and rewrite that. And, mm. and, and, and again, it, it's to do, I think, with these writing these long projects, which just seem almost sort of unimaginably huge. Mm. Um, and that's what part of why I have my quite detailed process of, I think of it like a roadmap, is that inevitably, I think, we all get lost in the middle of a, of a script. You get to a point, you know, kind of two-thirds of the way through, and you go... It's just a bunch of words on a page. It's just nonsense. <laughs> I can't, I just, it's, ah, ah, people are going to sort of, going to take me out and sort of shoot me in the feet and break my feet, break my hands because, I, you know, it's just nonsense. Um, but if you've got a roadmap, if you've got something you trust, you can uh, follow that and stick with that and get to the end and you go back and, you know, maybe it's terrible, maybe it's not, but it's finished. Uh, and it, it, it kind of sort of, it's sort of almost like, I feel like you're mobbing it with words because you've eventually got the idea, you've, 
wrestled into the ground and you're sitting on it and then you can paint its face uh, in sort of later drafts. That's not a very elegant metaphor. But... I liked it, though. I liked it. Usually people go for the lump of clay and you can shape it, but I like your wrestling. <laughs> but wrestling and makeup metaphor, which... Uh... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> it's the first draft of a metaphor. It'll be much better when we do it five more times. <laughs> so, so in that sense, then, so, so, I mean, I'm fascinated by because I find what you're talking about is one of the it's it's one of the things I find most challenging in writing it, when you when you when you're restricting the location um, is because cinematically, if I go if you go from scene to scene, so let's say you go from a house to a library to a factory you can you can pass cinema time can't you <laughs> you know you could be you could be like thursday friday two months away and just yeah. by moving scene whereas when you're in one location like your your um, your house how do you keep the cinematic time going as opposed to obviously real time how do you keep that energy and the rhythm in in terms of what you've got down on the page yeah, and I think I think what's interesting is that you, to a certain extent, you're playing with um, rhythm in terms of characters and relationships. I mean, one thing about um, about Wait for the Instructions, uh, which was a challenge when we were financing it, is that there is quite a slow build-up. You want to um, establish your characters, establish relationships, uh, and 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 also for us as well, you know, going to give these amazing actors the chance to to really shine. Um, so there's quite a slow build-up before the shutters come down and they're trapped in the house whereby you build up that dysfunctional relationship which you're then going to you know smash with a plot hammer later on and, and, and have everybody kind of fighting with the shards um and um i think when you're kind of dealing with that enclosed space and enclosed time having a very uh um definite time period is quite useful and the film kind of follows basically from christmas eve uh to new year's um and there is also that element in which, because it's a, it's a story about enclosure, about people being trapped, that actually the, the time kind of stretches. So you're using things like kind of um, uh, uh, montages and elements like that, but also mm. staying with the characters and kind of building from set piece to set piece. And you're tracking those relationships as people kind of sort of um, uh, you know break apart and uh, possibly forge interesting alliances. Um, and structurally also. This is a, it's a kind of a, a black box uh, story. It's, it's got a mystery at the heart of it, which mm. is going to work. I mean, you know, who is it that's giving them instructions? What's happened outside? Uh, and I think as, uh, you know, as a sort of structural device, these things are very useful. I mean, it can be a very dangerous thing is that um, uh, when you approach these sort of mystery ideas, um, an audience is going, well, what's inside the box? What's going on? You know, what is it? You know, and you eventually have to go, you know, it, here it is. Here's the, here's, the, here's the big idea. Here's the twist. And they may go, oh, it was better in my head. So you have that challenge. Um, and um, and I think that was interesting to us in the process is that the, um, the kernel of the idea, as I described, this family trapped and receiving instructions from outside. Um, a, there's a, there's a number of ways that, that kind of you watch it, you think, oh, well, is it this, is it that, what, what's actually going on? Um, but I, at the very first um, uh, iteration of the idea, that kind of coming home and just having it, I didn't know what was outside. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't have the sort of the, the wider mythology. And then finding that um, um, is 
is kind of more a challenge. It's interesting because um, uh, having seen there's, there's been a number of really kind of great kind of stuff concept and theme uh, uh, movies in the last few years. I'm thinking of things like The Babadook and It Follows, whereby their kind of structure, the narrative, the basic story is also their theme, is also their mythology. So mm. I kind of think they probably came, they probably had those ideas for all of those elements at the same time. It possibly came together. Um, whereas with this project, it was, we had to go on a journey to find out, you know, what was outside and what was going on and, um, you know, what was the, what were the answers to the mysteries that hopefully aren't going to be horribly disappointing. I don't think so. We ramp up to, to a very, uh, uh, big, bizarre place at the end with lots of special effects and, uh, things you may not be expecting when you see our little family drama at the start. But I think, but I think that's what um, I think. That both those examples you cite, I think they would have gone through similar journeys. I think, I think for somebody to land on all sort of four cornerstones of your screenplay and then just just expand on it would be very lucky. I think. Um, I think. I think that's it, right. And I think the power of the power of um, sort of changing to suit, you know, because it's a, a lot. I mean, have you ever, there's, a, there's a there's a Danish film called Deconstruction. Have you ever seen it? I'll see it now. And it actually is a film of an idea. So it's yeah. you're watching it from the point of view of a novelist writing a story. So you're seeing the story the novelist writes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And partway through, the novelist changes his mind about a main character. So two mm. people that have known each other for half a film become complete strangers at the halfway point because that's the decision of the, the author. Yeah. And obviously screenplays, we can do the same thing. You know, we can... We can decide that a girlfriend isn't working, but we'll make it. We'll make it his mother, <laughs> you know. Because you know, and suddenly you're kind of playing with a whole different idea. But but just by making that decision, you've changed the big dynamic, haven't you? Yeah, I think I think that's right. And it, and, and the, this is why I think the whole kind of process is, is fascinating. And, mm. and and you know, people can talk about it for hours. Is that um, there's no there's no one way. I mean, I have my process, but that'll be every different writer, every different creative I talk to has a different different approach, a different way. Um, and you have to have some element of an organic kind of stuff. Uh, you know, if, if if the bonsai grows in a different direction, you've got to clip it. But you have to sort of you know let 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 nature find a way as well um, and go with the idea. And the other important thing. Is, is have people in that development process you trust. I mean, um, uh, we had a kind of very tight core team of um, uh, myself and producer Jack Tarling, who came on actually about a year after I had the idea, um, mm. and then like Johnny uh, Kavorkian. Um, and so you've got, and actually, Trio is quite good because it means that you've always, you've never got deadlock, you've never got two against two, you've got sort of, you know, hopefully two against one or three together. So any kind of sort of um, disagreements, and you're going to have disagreements, that's important. Um, but I think I think a natural writing urge, because we kind of you know live in our little caves up in the garrets writing and don't really talk to other people often, is to sort of um, to kind of finish it and deliver and go right. I'm done. I'm running away. I don't want to change the thing. It's as good as it's going to get. It is brilliant. Don't no, no, don't talk to me. Um, whereas we need to be pushed. We'd have our kind of feet held to the fire and go. Okay, you know, I, I for instance, that there's a good division in our team is that. Um, Jack, being a producer, very kind of, sort of uh, kind of rules and legalistic, and has that kind of attention to detail. Whereas I am much more kind of fever dream. Well, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing kind of, sort of image or an amazing set piece. Oh, it may not be logical, but it'll be brilliant. So let's not worry about it. And having both of those sides fight it out, you come to a compromise. I think that 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 kind of um, uh, is the best of all worlds. But you need people you trust in in that um, uh, in that kind of equation. 
um, to make it all uh, kind of work out um, at the end of the math so that uh, um, uh, you are kind of through every draft it's getting closer and closer and, uh, and you're challenging yourself and also you're kind of you're having a you're taking a hammer to those basic assumptions i like to think of those there was it's interesting because as i described my process there's a lot of kind of walking around coming with ideas having images and those are things that happen right at the start of the process mm. uh but i think of almost like kind of sort of like legacy uh, uh, concepts is that you might get seven drafts down and you're having this huge argument saying, well, I can't take out that thing where she throws her shoes out the window. I can't. It's the heart of the story. It's not the heart of the story. It was just the first part of the story. And I think you have to have somebody go, oh, no, that, you know, that doesn't make, that's not what the film is anymore. The shoe throwing thing is just in your mind so we can throw it out as well. Um, I, heard somebody, uh, I heard somebody describe that as being... Uh, that that kind of legacy thing being a ghost of previous drafts. So I thought it was a lovely way of describing those kind of yeah, things. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> if you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. What was what do you what do you, in that during that kind of during that backwards and forwards with these these sort of trusted sources your producer and then then further down the line Johnny what was what was um, what do you remember being a kind of a, a sort of a favourite note as it were not 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 one that undermines you but one where you went oh God we can go here that's amazing well we did lose an entire character actually. <laughs> Really? We lost, yeah, we lost, in fact, we lost Uncle Happy, who was uh, Jack's favourite character, who was uh, kind of uh, the, the kind of uh, uh, the father's sort of doofus uh, brother, who was uh, a, a big lump and later on becomes his, his enforcer. Uh, mm. And he was a great character, a lot of fun. But it is, I, I think, the process of of, of kind of iterative drafts is one of rationalisation, is kind of getting it as the, the most tightest kind of leanest, most elegant expression idea. So you're cutting away the dead wood. Mm. Um, and Jack at one point came and said, well, I love this character. I love I love Uncle Happy, but um, actually he doesn't have a function outside of being fun. I mean, you know, you can, you can give some of his um, uh, 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 kind of actions in the script to various other characters. It would strengthen them. It would make their roles more and their kind of through lines of the story, uh, you know, clearer. And actually, we don't need him. Uh, and I think Jack was, was thinking I was going to sort of, you know, pitch a fit and, and, and throw my uh, toys out of the pram. But actually, I went, no, you're right. It, you know, we don't need him. You, when you're presented with a big note like that as a writer, you think, well, I, I, you say, well, I'm going to have to go for a walk and think about it because it, it feels like a huge deal but actually I knew instantly um, probably it was going to be fine and it is just that notion of um, I think scripts can be very like a sort of cat's cradle or something that can be very these sort of intricate uh, intricately designed uh, uh, um, kind of sort of mechanisms um, and when people sort of throw notes at you slightly blithely take out a character your instant response is oh my god that might wreck might wreck the pattern might wreck the machine uh, because there's always little relationships it has a ripple effect mm. um, so you need you need to go away and work out whether the ripple effect is going to just you know leave you standing in the in the embers of the wreckage crying or whether it's going to strengthen the whole uh, the whole overall shape and in that case i, I kind of knew instinctively actually we're probably fine but you do have to you know Go away and check all the knots, check all of the, the kind of, sort of uh, uh, the, the, the shape of the machine and the shape of the thing and see if it still works. Um, uh, 
but yeah, you've got to have people to challenge you. As I say, it's good to have uh, folks that have a slightly different creative process to you. As I say, no, no, and also, also as well, what you're saying there is this: there is there is also the opposite tendency, which is for for a writer to be the kind of people pleaser in the process, and so you take you can take on all opinions and basically be going, yeah, we can yeah we can fix that, we can fix that. Oh no, we can do that, we can do that, and then suddenly you're left with that cat's cradle you've just talked about has been cut into ribbons and you've you've fixed all the problems but you've ruined the entire story <laughs> the yeah, yeah. I, I mean people please are all or possibly kick dog I mean I think writers sometimes can feel very kind of um, I, I prefer, I prefer people pleaser but yeah yeah I know you, what you mean you, you are right I guess I'm, I'm, I'm the paranoid cynic so in this <laughs> conversation I was trying, but, I was trying yeah. to put a bit of, bit of uh, put a bit of rainbow colour on it for those listening thinking that's it's not fact. it's not a fact it is a, it is a thankless task at times but, but I think that it, it it is about trying because obviously this is your vision, so you want to try and steer it, but you don't want to ignore good good notes that are telling you how to make it better. Because ultimately, that's what you want to get those opinions for, isn't it? Is that you're you're inviting people to tell you stuff because you believe, just like you, that they that they want to make this the best it can be. Definitely, and I, and I think actually that again, it's something you can learn as you go through your career. Is that finding people that you trust to. You know, to to not bullshit you and uh, and tell you things. You know, have a have a, a sensibility that, that that sort of um works in line with yours, but also they're not just going to tell you to to do you know do what you like. They're going to sort of stand up to you, and you're going to stand up to them. But but they're not going to pull you in the wrong direction. And I think that's why often you see partnerships in our uh, in our industry kind of continuing on. Uh, you know, from project after project after project. And and why also it can be quite difficult to break into the industry is because people tend to work with their friends. Um, um, you know, not not just because it's some sort of wanky clique, but because um, when you find people you can rely on any time when you're not working with them, you, you, you're, you're taking a risk. Um, and also for, for, for me as well, you, you talked about this sort of um, it being kind of my initial vision and it starts with the writer of the script. Uh, I mean, I've now, um, I mean, my career's gone a slightly weird direction, but I've sort of stumbled into directing as well. So mm. I've uh, started to direct. I'm looking to move forward eventually and direct my own features. But it means that I've, I've I've been to that process as um, you know, as a director, so I, I, I kind of know all those stages where you have to um, take a script and go, okay, well that's that's the sort of, that's the thing we're working from. But then when it goes in production, you have to hand it off and you have to kind of you know let it be dismantled and uh, and kind of recomposed by the production process, by the directing, by the acting, by every other department when they start to stand it up. So. Um, it can be, um, you know, a challenge when you're on set and going, mm, I'm not sure I would have done it like that. But equally, it's not, at that point, it's, it's not my film, it, it's Johnny's film. Um, uh, and, and that's great because also then everybody that's coming on later on is, is, is kind of adding to it, you know, these new kind of, when you, when, you know, you see costumes and you see sets being built, uh, it's all additional. They're taking your initial outlines almost and they're filling them out. You've, you've kind of come over the scaffold and they're coming to sort of, you know, paint out and build it and, and kind of make the whole, the whole edifice afterwards. And that's really exciting as well. well um, and I think, I think, I mean, that's, that's the nature of collaboration, isn't it? I think, I think it's Burroughs, isn't it? It talks about the, the third, the third eye, isn't it? Where, you know, if two people get in a room, then their conversations and discussions about ideas become a th- become like an invisible pers- third person because on your own, you don't generate that idea. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think that's completely true. Um, well, what, what, uh, did, what did you, what did you out, out of interest then, you know, I, I mean, did you, did, were, you, were, you on, were you on set for the entire shoot? 
Yeah, most of it. Um, it was, as I say, it's this uh, studio in North Yorkshire, GSP uh, uh, Studios, um, and it, I think, I believe it used to be a, a film school, so it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Right. Uh, and uh, but it means that you can um, uh, you can sort of uh, sleep on your crew there. There's accommodation. And there's, a, there's a big studio space, and we took over three studios. So I was there as much as possible. I mean, um, a because it's my first feature. I mean, you, you want to see that happening, um, and also because I've got aspirations to direct myself. So I wanted to see, you know, see inside the machine, be up close. Um, and what was good as well is I didn't just want to be hanging around, sort of sitting in the corner, and people telling me to move and going, "I'm the writer, don't you know?" Uh, uh, so I wanted to kind of do other things. So what happened is that I ended up working a bit with. Um, uh, chap uh, who was doing all of the behind the, uh, the scenes kind of photography so I ended up doing the um, behind the scenes interviews with the actors and, uh, and some of our kind of, sort of uh, production folks as well sort of helping to do the, the behind the scenes uh, uh, footage and that was really interesting you know talking to the actors about craft or, or, or kind of um, you know our, our um, practical effects guys about how they kind of, sort of uh, uh, you know make all the, the things that will appear in the, uh, the final reel of the film which I can't talk about uh, but which are very very, very exciting. Uh, so, so that was, you know, I just wanted to be a part of it. Um, uh, uh, and, and, and we, you know, it's a size of production. We, you know, we had a, uh, a bunch of folks and it was, uh, it, it was uh, very exciting to be finally after seven years yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the set of my and just kind of walking into the house and going, God, it was in my brain and now I'm standing on it. That's fair. <laughs> how, 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 I mean, how, how different did it feel or how similar did it feel? Did you, when you when you wandered in that first time on set, see, seeing your your interior living room become a physical entity. It's weird. I think what's interesting is because of the nature of screenwriting. I mean, I, I've also you know I also write prose. I, you know, I've, I've written novels and stuff. So you know, when you're when you're writing prose, when you're writing a novel, basically you're doing all the jobs. You're acting it. You're lighting it. You're directing it. You know, you're making the the, the furniture, and you've got to absolutely. Um, you know, delineate uh, 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 and make the whole world. You have to create it for your reader to, to see. Was when you're writing a screenplay, it's almost more shadowy. You know, you, you have to to write a to write a film. You have to sort of almost play it and see it in your head. But it it is kind of ghostly. Um, so that I never had a very very clear idea of exactly how these things would look. I had a general idea. I think um, what was interesting is um, uh, in my head it was sort of smaller and more cramped. But the way the sets were built because Johnny uh, really wanted to open it out. Uh, we shot on anamorphic lenses, even though mm. it's in closed space, to give it that kind of you know a, a beauty in a real kind of wide field. So the, the sets are kind of larger than you might expect. I don't think that's how they'll uh, feel on screen. But actually stepping onto it, I was like, oh wow, there's you know there's all this space. It's amazing. Mm. Um, but just to, just to kind of see it physically kind of stuff come to life is is kind of weird and uh, and shocking and, and just really exciting that you can sort of reach out and touch something you you know you came up with and uh, yeah it's a strange kind of transformative process you know like they, we go through all these stages from just this germ of an idea going home on a cold uh, New Year's Eve to you know uh, finally this thing being released uh, you know hopefully to lots of people at the end of the process and and they get to kind of stuff bring themselves to it but all the way along you have 
these amazing artists to help you, brilliant performances, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of stunning when you start to think, God, all of these people are doing it because I had this mad idea going home from a, a New Year's Eve party. No, no, that's it's 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 astounding when you when you when you describe it that way, and so you know, congratulations from from Britflits for sure on you getting that first feature under your belt, um, you. and we look forward to. Uh, to, to talk to Johnny in the in the future when we get near a release date. Um, Absolutely. Do, do you, I mean, what what are you up? To, do you want to talk about what you're up to at the moment? Anything that you can tell us about? Any 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 short film stuff successes you want to you want to sort of share with us? Yeah. So as I mentioned, I mean, I kind of stumbled into directing slightly uh, weirdly. I mean, I think kind of um, part of the thing about kind of um, uh, any kind of creative career, particularly in this industry, is the thing you mainly need is persistence. That's the sheer stubborn bloody mindedness just of you know, pick yourself up, dust yourself down, carry on up the mountain. Um, uh, and I'd gone through sort of a period, uh, well, about sort of the time I came up with the wait for the instructions, where things weren't so, so great. I, I, I started out my career and I'd, um, uh, uh, and I was sort of be- being commissioned for ideas as to film and TV. Um, but unfortunately, what happened is that I was getting commissioned for things that actually didn't get made. Either the people I was working with got fired or, you know, there was a merger or whatever. And so um, a lot of things that I had commissioned scripts or, or, or for TV or film um, weren't actually created. So they're in a situation where you've got a great CV, um, but if you've not had things produced, you've not shown you can play nice with the children, um, that can be a real challenge. And I mm. sort of found myself in that situation at about that time. Um, uh, and I was doing the same thing. I was pitching ideas, but instead of them, you know, getting uh, accepted, they were kind of just ending up in the, in the waste paper bin. Um, and things were quite dark, so I had to go, well, you know, either I can give up, or I can, you know, dig in deep and say, you know, bloody-mindedly, well, I'm not going to give up, I'm a good writer, uh, and just sort of carry on. But also, um, you know, instead of going, oh, well, uh, I'm just going to keep on doing the same thing, uh, I want to try all sorts of other um you know, kind of ways of sort of getting into the industry. Um, and I made this deal myself to sort of have a swing at any opportunity. Um, so I did sort of some theatre, some alternate reality games, I did some ghostwriting and a whole host of other things. Um, and at the time, uh, in 2009 it was, uh, uh, the uh, film council, UK film council that was, still uh, funded the local uh, uh, film development agencies. And our, our local agency, Northern Film Media, uh, made a, a tranche of, sort of short films every year, digital short films. Yeah. Um, and it was the night before the deadline for those films, and I, I'd sort of said to myself, oh, well, I've made this stupid deal myself. I'm going to swing for any opportunity. I can't let this one go by. So I wrote a little short film the night before um, and uh, uh, and just put it in thinking, well, I'm, I'm showing, kind of willing, you know, people can see, um, you, know, I'm, you know, this is my being strategic about my career. And when I was filling the forms, I just decided, well, I think I'll write, write a director rather than writer for this little script. It's a five-minute script. I'm, you know, I don't think I'll get it because I'm doing it the night before, and at the time I had, you know, I thought I was going to get a feature commission. There were lots of big things off the ground, so it, it wasn't a big priority. So just I banged it in, thinking, oh, well, I hear nothing of it. Um, and then I was shortlisted, which was slightly strange, so I just went to the interview and, you know, was very relaxed because I knew I wouldn't get it and said, oh, don't worry, it'll be fine. Bosh, bosh, you know, yes, I'll direct it. It'll, it'll be cool. Yeah, very relaxed because uh, I knew I wouldn't get it. And then, of course, all of the, the big things fell through and they gave me this short film to direct. Um, and that <laughs> 
my first short breath. Um, and then a few years later, something very similar happened. Uh, um, and the night before, I put an idea for a, a six-hour film challenge. And, and out the back of that, um, I won a commission uh, for my second short, uh, which is called Sleepworking, uh, which is a science fiction short. Um, and, uh, and that did very well at festivals. Uh, I played at 60 festivals and won eight awards. Wow. Uh, and that I both wrote and directed. Um, so kind of that's kind of one, one uh, new avenue for me, is I want to write and direct my own material. So I've written some... Uh, I've got a couple of scripts. Um, uh, I've got a kind of sci-fi script called Poison Forest, which um, uh, is possibly a little bigger than, than maybe we could raise money for me at the moment. Uh, so I'm also kind of still putting together um, a submission for the iFeatures uh, uh, scheme, which is ending soon, uh, called The Push, about a, a, a young homeless woman who's sort of just living on the streets, uh, and she's someone who's comes from quite a, 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 a kind of... Uh, a bad background. She's, you know, been, you know, moved from sort of house to house uh, in sort of uh, accommodation when, you know, when she was an orphan, uh, and uh, now she found herself on the streets. Uh, but then one night, uh, she and some kind of sort of friends just shelter in this uh, rail yard by some uh, containers, which they don't notice are seeping this this strange uh, uh, material. Uh, when she wakes in the morning, all her friends have died. She's very sick. Uh, over a few days, she she recovers uh, and then finds out she has the ability, uh, uh, some uh, sort of superpowers which uh, she does not use uh, to for the good of society. She tries to get back at the people that have hurt her. So that's uh, a new one. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, look, well, good luck with that. that, that I guess iFeatures I is what, end of March, the deadline? For end of March, indeed, yes. So when, 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 when are they announcing? Do you know? Uh, I think it's. I mean, they'll they'll get a lot of submissions, so it'll yeah. be, um, I guess, kind of sort of Juneish time. But but what's what's good about the iFeatures features process is you've got to go in with a team, and I've kind of sort of um, met some new producers. I'm working with them. So what what's good is that I'll be doing a lot of the work on this idea um, to get into a state to submit it. So even if we we are, we don't get shortlisted and get get involved in the scheme, I've still got new producers. I've got a new project, and and so we'll we'll continue to. Work, work on it, um, even if we don't kind of get uh, <laughs> get that brass ring, and that's a, a, that's a that's a kind of good way to I think for everyone to approach their career is that if you've got a deadline for something, it'll make you work, and, and, and even if you don't get the thing that you're working towards with a deadline, you don't get the prize. You've still got all that work. You've got a new project. You're moving forward. So, cheat yourself into working by going for deadlines. That's my advice. I think that's absolutely brilliant advice, and uh, I concur. There's nothing. There's nothing like a deadline to get you to finish something. There's nothing like a deadline to make you think about it. So, uh, I mean, having having tomorrow to do something always tomorrow means that you'll yep. always do it tomorrow. So, I think it's a fair bit right. of advice, especially for you, you know, for, for for people who are sort of beginning and emerging. Um, yeah. And I think I think and if they are, if people listening to this are beginning and emerging, I think listening to the sort of the, the the sort of the the long winding road that you've been on, but but but, but like you say, you kept you kept picking your stuff up and carrying on up the mountain. That there is there is the sense that there's that to, that to commit to this is is a relentless thing, and no one's going to thank you for it, are they? It doesn't sound like no. from what you what you've said. No, about. but the reward, I, I, but the rewards, a a you know, you cause your own rewards, as it were. Definitely, definitely. I, I'd say to people is that um you know. Plan not to be lucky. You might be lucky, you might find the first script, you know, gets taken up and you have a brilliant career. Um, but it's not 
it's not basically if you're talented, then your first thing will, will work. It might be uh, there's so much luck involved in our industry, uh, and the way we deal with luck is to be persistent. So you know, plan not to be lucky. Have ideas, have strategies. If things don't work, if you find that everything goes to pot, you know, do you want to try new things? Do you try new kind of stuff? Avenues, make something yourself, make a short film. Um, you know, and at the other end, if you're persistent and and you do your work, you learn your crafts, and you're good. Uh, you know, that I, I'm, I'm sure you'll come through. And I think that's you know what I really want to say. You know. Uh, to, to the guys listening is that I've been on a very long journey but now obviously you know my short did very well got my first feature made with you know lots of amazing actors like, like David Bradley um, so uh, stick with it uh, it'll come through for you well no I mean look I mean it's, it's a long journey in the sense of I just mean it's long not that I'm saying it's longer than normal <laughs> uh, I, I mean for Definitely. example for example um, I mean Sam Raimi Drag Me to Hell was 11 12 years to get that to get it. to get made you know it isn't it isn't an easy road and you know we've all got to uh, be a bit patient and like you say don't plan to be lucky you know um but look really good luck with the rest of the process getting um away for the instructions ready for screen i look forward to seeing it when that comes i think i think from our conversation we did it i, I wanted to ask some more specific questions but I, I felt we would have gone into spoiler territory so i think i think we've avoided spoiler but yeah. we kind of give a we give a good flavour, I think, as to what as to what might be happening. Um, yeah, I hope so. Um, no, no, yeah, but people... I don't think we've we've not we've not said you know who lives and who dies and all that. Absolutely. <laughs> well, look, thank you very much for your time, Gavin. It's very much appreciated. Yeah, I mean, if people are interested in the, in the film, and hopefully they are. I mean, we've got. Um, I mean, actually, if you, if you do do a Google search on uh, cheeky little Google search and await further await further instructions, you'll certainly get a lot of information. We've been in the press, um, but we've got a Facebook page, um, so await further instructions on on Facebook, and also we've got a Twitter feed. Uh, so if you uh, go to uh, at await fi um that's where um all of our updates and information will be but like i say if you give us um a, a web search you'll, you'll definitely track us down you'll see lots of interesting images as well which uh, will maybe give a better flavor of uh, all the dark mad things that happen gavin if you give me that information it will go in the show notes with this podcast smashing thanks so much Stuart. excellent if you don't already subscribe to britflix just sign up for free at itunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.